Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known. The gospel lesson for today is from John chapter 4, verses 1 through 30. This can be found on page 1056 of your Pew Bible. Today's reading describes an unlikely encounter between Jesus and a Samaritan woman, a member of a race despised by the Jews. Over the course of the conversation, she begins to perceive Jesus as Messiah and calls the rest of the town to come out to meet him. A reading from John chapter 4, beginning with the first verse. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, 
I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, What do you seek? Or, Why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Well, the woman at the well has been my companion throughout this year. God designed it so that I did a Bible study in September on her, and then in November, I was asked to go down and lead a women's retreat in Florida. And since some of these group of women used to call themselves the women at the well, I decided I need to keep diving deeper into her story. And then a month ago, I was down in Birmingham, Alabama for a board meeting, and I had an opportunity to take a historical tour of that city. And I learned something more about her there. I learned about the story that happened in that community and how black people had been segregated and dealt with such violence and pain and fear. Even crossing certain streets was dangerous. And so they knew to stay on their respective side of the tracks. I was aware that that community there uh, dealt with things similar to the Samaritan woman. They were outcasts from another race and separated from others. Now, our story may not be nearly as traumatic as what happened in that moment in history or what it was like to be the Samaritan woman, but I think all of us here can relate to some sense of that feeling that we don't fit in. Maybe it's in our social circles. We don't really belong. We feel like an outsider. Well, God seeks us out when we're the outsider. In fact, the Bible is full of stories of him coming to the outcast and the suffering and the people on the margins. Today's text tells us about the Samaritan woman. And for me, there is no better encounter in the Bible to show us Jesus' desire to meet us where we are, to call us lovingly to more and to send us out to share this good news with others. And he does this by crossing boundaries to make his love known. And we see this in the opening words of John 4. This encounter took place early in Jesus' ministry, and with his disciples, he's traveling from Judea up in the, in the south up to Galilee in the north. And you'll see a map behind me. Now, as you might recognize, if you went in a straight line, you'd be there from Jerusalem to Galilee. But what happened for pious and faithful Jews, they weren't going to take that route. They would go all the way across the Jordan, up the east side of the bank, and then come back over the Jordan in a big circle or arch to avoid that land in the middle, Samaria. Um, Now, Jesus didn't do this. We see Jesus went a whole different way with the disciples and had them scratching their heads a little bit why they were going straight north. 
Now, it would almost be as if there was somebody here in the church that I wanted to avoid on the center aisle. So instead of going straight to the door, I went all the way around the sanctuary to the back in order to avoid them. Well, Jesus didn't do that. He wasn't going to avoid people who were outcasts. He actually came and sat right next to them. He had something for them. So let me tell you a little background. Why was this the case? Why did people go so far out of their way to avoid Samaria? Well, the Jews viewed the Samaritans as cursed. They had intermarried with non-Jewish people, so they were of a different race, and they had an eclectic faith. But Jesus went out of his way to go to Samaria. He sent his disciples on up ahead for food so that he could meet with this Samaritan woman. He sought her out intentionally. Now she's alone. She's walking up to the well in the heat of the day, and she sees a stranger, this Jewish rabbi, sitting alone who speaks to her. Now this encounter is not only surprising, it's scandalous. Wells were the place to meet and pick up women, and Jesus crossed several boundaries. Not only is he speaking to it, he's speaking to a woman here in this case. It was not appropriate for Jewish rabbis to address women in public, even if they were their wife or sister. And the fact that she was a Samaritan, again, should have prevented him from having any contact with her. But he goes on to ask her for a drink. Now, Samaritans and Jews could not handle the same dish. It would have made Jesus ceremonially unclean to touch it if she had touched it. And she therefore says this in verse 9. She says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? Now, one other little side note to notice in that very opening scene is that it was noon, which is not the time of day, in the heat of day, to come to the well. Women would go in the late part of the day or in the early morning. Now, she's also not like normally going to the well, which is in a group of other women for safety and protection. So here she is alone in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, by herself at this well. She's outside a circle of safety. She doesn't have any friends or isn't welcome to come with the other women. And we're going to learn a little bit more about why that is in a moment. But as a result of this, you can imagine she would have had her guard up. When Jesus crossed the boundaries to meet her, he did it because he had something really important to give her. In the verse that follows, we hear him describing himself as the gift of God who can give her living water so that she will never thirst again. And that water is a spring of life welling up to eternal life. Now, thinking she might get out of having to come here every day to the well in the heat of the day, she says eagerly, give me some of this water. But what she doesn't realize is Jesus is using thirst as a picture of the spiritual need and longing that we all have. Our souls are longing for true satisfaction not a quick fix or a momentary pleasure. And only God can provide that. Jesus is telling her, I am the source of eternal thirst-quenching water. And water had great importance. It was essential for life, 
but it was also necessary for cleansing and purification. And in the Bible, we read that the water had many meanings, one of which, which was the Holy Spirit, another was the promises of God, and a third was eternal life. Jesus is saying he's not only the source of the living waters, but he is the source of life. And we see this in John 10.10, a little bit later in John's gospel, where he says, I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance or have it to the full. Now, this Samaritan woman is starting to hear something a little differently, and her walls of self-protection are starting to melt. She shifts from being skeptical and fearful of Jesus to starting to be curious and have the courage to be vulnerable. So Jesus meets her where she is, and he calls her to more. He says to her, go call your husband and come here. Now, that phrase is a test, and luckily she passes it, because she says, I have no husband. But notice, she doesn't elaborate on that at this point. He convicted her, but he didn't judge her. He replies, actually, you've had five husbands, and the one that you're now with is not your husband. What you have said is true. Now, we imagine his tone is actually not condemning, but confident that she can change. There's no shame, but an invitation to receive his love, his waters of new life. Jesus offers us a powerful model of speaking the truth in love. He engaged with her. He had compassion on her. He didn't condemn her, and he met her where she was. We can almost imagine Jesus looking at her with a look of tenderness and of love. She was fully known, even in her deepest, darkest secrets and pain, yet fully loved. And we sometimes fear that if someone knew everything we ever did, they couldn't possibly love us. But Jesus does. He spoke to her point of shame and her self-protection and walls start to drop. And she began to see Jesus for who he really is. And we're like her in that we have our own walls of self-protection that sometimes block us from seeing who God and Jesus really are. We had good reasons for building them initially until they became a prison that we couldn't escape from or find an exit. They protect us from harm, but they also block love and healing relationships. The good news is that love, when love finds us, those walls come tumbling down. They don't fall brick by brick. The very foundation is shaken and the walls collapse. And when they do, we can find true freedom in Christ as he intended. It's not that we ever get beyond having another self-protective thought. Those old patterns are still there, but they've loosened their hold on us. God's love moves us out of the comfort zone to take risks and to love others with his radical good news. And I can say that in my ministry and a 25-year therapy practice, I have seen that change comes about when people are honest about who they are and how they're doing. And when they bring that to God, 
just as I am, as the old hymn said. And in doing so, we see that Jesus wants us to grow. We receive God's love and forgiveness, and it heals us in the raw, hurting places so that Jesus can transform, can heal, and out of that space, new life can flow. And our cup of grace becomes full again to be able to offer it to others as well. Healing is not a self-centered action. Healing is for community and to be a blessing. As they continue their conversation, Jesus and the woman, he tells her he is the Messiah, Israel's promised deliverer. The disciples show back up again, shocked that he's there talking to this woman. And then we're given a really intimate detail in the story. She leaves the water jar. The whole purpose of her day was to come and get the water. But you know what? She found what she needed. And it was far more valuable than the water. And then she turns and she rushes to the town. And she rushes to tell them all the good news of this man who has told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And what's even more remarkable to me, not only that she would go to the people that shunned her to tell them the good news, but they actually listened to her. And they came and they went to see Jesus and to meet him at the well. Imagine the town's surprise when this outcast member of their community becomes the spokesperson for the Messiah? Now, we can only imagine how different she must have been. I know last week, Pastor Nathan showed you a clip from John 3, the chapter right before ours from the film The Chosen. When the actor who played Jesus was interviewed about what scene he's act- they've filmed thus far that was the most impactful for him, he described this scene. He said it took at least four or five retakes for them to get that ending right when Jesus is facing this woman. And he said he could not get through it without getting so emotional and having tears. And he said that, you know, you you look at this, he's looking at this woman who has just minutes before been angry and resistant and fearful, and now She has a face that is radiant, beaming with joy. All her wrinkle and frown lines are gone, and she is just elated. She's transformed. And um, she literally looks like a different person than just earlier in the scene. And the direct, apparently the director and all of the crew that were filming this scene were all crying with every retake. Now, even though these two people were acting, the power of love came through. Now, I personally think that may be a realistic depiction of what actually happened, and here's why. That Samaritan woman was so impressed by the love of Jesus that she now seeks to share that good news with those who had treated her as an outcast before. She wanted even her former enemies to receive some of this life-giving water. And she went from being an outsider to the very first evangelist of the Messiah. And Jesus chose her for this task, and he sought her out on the margins. She is restored to God through that love of Jesus, but he does something else as well. 
He restores her to community. She's the one with great news. And when these people come out, they believe in Jesus too, and they invite him to come and stay with them for two days. And apparently the number of believers grew greatly. In hearing Jesus, they called him Christ, the Savior of the world. Notice they didn't say Christ, the Savior of the people of Israel, but Christ, the Savior of all these different groups and peoples and backgrounds of the world. Jesus didn't keep to his own side of the fence and not engage with people that were different. He wasn't worried about being corrupted or polluted. Instead, out of love for us, Jesus takes down walls and builds bridges. Thinking back to Birmingham, it took some courageous black ministers and others who stepped into the gap, who were willing to be beat up, tortured, and even killed to stand for peace and forgiveness. When we follow Jesus, his love in us can take us to people and places we never imagined we might go. There may be people we're not comfortable with or we avoid or would rather not deal with, but those may be the ones that Jesus is calling us to cross over in love to. Later, we know in the story, Jesus crossed another boundary out of love. He became an outcast. He was beat up, tortured, dragged outside the city walls, and was killed by being nailed to a cross. And on the cross, he said, I thirst. He took the place for her. He died for her thirst and for all of us so that we could be included in those eternal waters of new life in him. The Samaritan woman's story, for me, is a roadmap on how to know Christ and make him known. Come to the well that never runs dry. Seek out Jesus. He is ready to receive, restore, and bless you more than we can ask or imagine. And he calls us to release sin, struggles, and fears so that we can see others, no matter how different from us, as children of God. They are worth sharing this living water and his good news with us as well. Amen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Sandwich Church, and how you can get involved, please visit StanwichChurch.org.